T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Thanks for listening to Danny and Dusty On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast. Is your heater safe? Why replace it when Service Patriots can restore it? Get their $59, 27-point furnace tune-up and safety check, including a free 1-inch filter. They'll also check your AC for free. Go to servicepatriots.com. This week, a conference title and the college football playoff berth is on the line. Can Oregon get home to Penix? Can Oregon spring the big place? This is a Pac-12 Championship Week edition of Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Mods PDX. The future of building is here. Online at modspdx.com. You never know how the rest of the game is going to play out, so you make those decisions based on the information you have. Pac-12 Championship Week with Danny and Dusty on 1080 The Fan. Hour number two, Danny and Dusty with you on this Conference Championship Week. Ducks and Dogs, Volume 2, as we're getting ready for the final Pac-12 championship game ever. Mm. May have a Pac-2 championship game next year. We got the Pac-12 championship game between the Ducks and the Dogs coming up uh, Friday, right here on The Fan from Las Vegas, Nevada. And to talk about it, we bring on Kyle Bonagura from ESPN. Kyle, thanks for taking a few minutes, man. How you doing? Uh, no problem. Uh, I'm doing good. Looking forward to, uh, like everyone else, looking forward to Friday. You know, we had yesterday the penultimate pa- uh, college football playoff rankings come out, and it does appear that the Pac-12 is prime for a win-in-your-in situation. Uh, what What is your feeling on on kind of the chaos that could ensue and how it may change what happens come Friday night in Las Vegas? Yeah, no, I think it's 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 you know obviously the best position that the Pac-12 has been in going into its conference championship game since, you know, since the playoff um, expanded to four teams, or, or I guess was was created at four teams, right? Uh, Washington, obviously undefeated, winning their in, and, and Oregon as the top-ranked one-loss team, you would, you would figure they're, uh, you know, as close to a win-in-your-in situation as well. I, I guess the one complicating factor is, is the Texas Alabama thing, right? And if, <laughs> if Alabama beats Georgia, okay, like you would you would expect Alabama then to to receive significant consideration at twelve and one as the SEC champion, ending Georgia's you know two year winning streak. That kind of makes sense, right? And then you have you know potentially Texas sitting there also at twelve and one with the win on the road against Alabama. And how do you reconcile that, right? I think I'm a very firm believer that head-to-head should matter in a, in a, in a tie-breaking situation. So 
like Texas for me should be ahead of Alabama if, if, if they both win. And then it, things could get dicey for the Ducks if, if it plays out right, like that, right? Because then you have three one-loss teams for two spots. Like this is assuming Florida State and, and Michigan both win. And so that's the one scenario that I would be a little bit um, concerned about for Oregon. I still think there's a, you know, even if it breaks that way, there's still a good chance they get, they get put in. Um, but, you know, any other kind of, uh, you know, any, any other way you break it down, right, with all the possibilities, think they're in easily, that would just be the one situation to guard against. Kyle, help my little dumb brain. Well, try he to he grasp needs a lot this. of help, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> when, like, when so much is talked about resume, and you just said head-to-head matters so much, if Oregon beats Washington, and it's a close game, and the justification is that Oregon's only loss on the season is a loss to Washington, and Washington then has the argument, well, our only loss in the season is to Oregon. With that same discussion, how do the other teams, essentially Washington's only losses to the number five team in the country, and Oregon's only losses to the number three team in the country. How do the other teams, the Texases, the Alabamas, the Florida States, the, the, the other teams that are competing for those spots, have a better argument or justification to get into that spot and have it not be a situation where the Pac-12 would get two teams, which I know is insane. But just going by their own discussions and their own arguments and what they've tried to prop up, how does that justification come through? Yeah, so it's very circular, right? Because yes. if you make the case for Oregon, then you can make a similar argument for Texas with over Alabama. Then you can say, well, Texas beat Georgia. So there's like, there's a case here where it's not, there's not a way to do this seamlessly, right? There's, there's always going to be a well, but uh, to any argument that you make with, with that kind of scenario that I laid out, right? You could certainly make the case and look, Washington went through a tough, through a tough conference and they're getting punished because they uh, because the Pac-12 changes rules and went away from divisions and had to beat a, a team twice, which everyone knows is difficult to do, especially a team like Oregon playing as well as it has, right? Then you have Ohio State that's saying, hey, we won 11-1 too, but we didn't get a chance to avenge our three-point loss to the undefeated team in a conference title game too. So they're sitting there uh, saying, you know, we have, a, we have a case, right? And even if Georgia or Michigan lose, they're saying, hey, like, we went undefeated during the season and our loss just came at the wrong time. Um, so there's this for me goes back to like, it's a terrible system. <laughs> there, yes. Like that's the, that, Thank that, you. That's the only That's the only conclusion you could really make. Right. Because like every, depending on your perspective, right. You can easily make the case for any of these teams and feel good about it. Right. Depending on where you're coming from, there's a lot of ways to, to make your case. And, the only the, the reality here is that a four team playoff for a division of football that has 130 teams just never made has has never made sense and it's never been a true playoff and it's always been a money grab a plus one to the amount of games that were played in previous years so you know for me like the uh, that's the problem here is that there's not a there's not a clean way this and, and it, it 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 gets much better at 12 right you have anyone who's left outside of a 12 team field is going to feel less aggrieved, right? Because they're, the, the, the justification for them being a serious threat to win the whole thing, you know, isn't really there. Yeah. Uh, but, but in this current system, you know, you're not going to have a perfect way to, to break it down. And so like, yeah, like Oregon for me, like over the second half of the year, like clearly they've been better than Washington. Right. And if, if, if they, if the committee thinks that they're better than Texas right now, which they have said that they do, 
the idea then Oregon then could go beat undefeated Washington um, and then Texas could be an Oklahoma State team who's not as good. And then the committee then decide Texas all of a sudden is um, jumps Oregon with that being the case. Like that doesn't make any sense. There's no logic there. But then if you start looking at it from a different perspective, right, should they be in the head over Alabama? Like, sure, the head to head should matter. Um, and then so it's just – it's just a mess. Yeah, and, and to, it's weird to think that if Auburn brings four instead of just rushing three, maybe this <laughs> on fourth down and 31, maybe it's a little bit different in the Iron Bowl. Uh, we're talking with Kyle Bonagura of ESPN. All right, let's talk about this rematch, Oregon and Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, you, you said it, Oregon has just kind of been dismantling teams as they've gone on since that loss to UW. Uh, UW, on the other hand, has been playing these close games, and I've been saying this all along. Like, I don't care how close the games are. Win them, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Something does not look right with Michael Penix, though. Um, And, you know, they could say it's sickness. It was overwhelmed by emotion after the Apple Cup. Uh, What is your sense on uh, whether it's the health or just the status of Michael Penix, who has not looked as impressive in pushing the ball down the field since he got touched up in that Oregon game. Yeah. I mean, what, what really stood out with, with Penix at the start of this year and really most of last season was that he, his accuracy was just there, you know, yeah. downfield, they can just rely on him to put the ball where it needed to be. And that resulted in a lot of, you know, yards after the catch and big plays and explosive and really an explosive offense. And we just haven't seen that. He's, he's, He's missing on throws that you're like, wow, like that's that, that's a pretty you know standard throw that any quarterback at this level should have no problem making, and he's missing a lot of those. So yeah, it's it's, it's concerning for Washington for sure that um, that his level has has dropped. And like you know, we're all speculating why that could be. I don't have a good reason for it. I mean, it doesn't nothing looks physically wrong with him. It doesn't seem like oh, like he's limping or he's having trouble, you know, getting through his motion, right? Like there's nothing obvious there. And there's the you know the colds and the sicknesses stuff. But you know that you know, that shouldn't have a, a, a kind of a, a weeks long impact on a player of his caliber. So it's yeah, it's been it's been confusing. Um, and they certainly haven't haven't looked as good as, as since beating Oregon and, and to the games to that point. But but again, like this is a team that's won 19 games in a row. This is you know Kalen DeBoer is 23 and two as a head coach at Washington. So you know I think we you're kind of when a team is so good for so long, you tend to like try to dig deeper and, and overly scrutinize teams like that, right? But at the end of the day, like this is a team that has won a lot of games in a row and. And as 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 unimpressive as many of them have been, they, they're still winning games, right? And so they, they deserve a lot of credit for that. And so it's hard to handicap this one, right? It's a Washington beat Oregon. It was a close game, but it, I think on the same field they looked really even. And again, it's it's you know I think you can kind of throw out the last several games, you know, when you head into a conference title game because I think. Um, you know, it, all that matters is both teams will be there, and I'm, I'm having a trouble. I'm having trouble trying to set any sort of you know real realistic expectations of what's gonna what's gonna take place. Well, that's exactly what I'm gonna ask you, Kyle. What what are your expectations for this yeah. game? Because of because of what you just said, because the, the, so much is on the line. Penix and and and, and Nick's are, are both Heisman candidates. So, you know, obviously Nick's looks like he's the the front runner right now, but they're both playing stylistically very different than when they. They played each other weeks ago. The the Huskies have, are running the ball more efficiently. Uh, it appears the Ducks with with Bucky Irving banged up a little bit are leaning a bit more on Bo Nix, and you're just kind of getting a little bit more balance out of the Huskies from what they had previously going into the season. 
what do you kind of look at as far as the touch points in this game? Even if, even if you are having, you know, trouble setting your expectations. Yeah. So like you can, you can envision this playing out in a number of ways. Right. But I think like what stands out right now is that Oregon's just been the more complete team recently. And, um, we talked about you know, Penix struggling a little bit. And so like those things kind of like make, and you see the, the betting line is, is, is heavily in favor of, of Oregon at this point. Um, so like, uh, yeah, like de- depending on the time of day, <laughs> I kind of waver on this, but I, I do think it, it comes down to those two players, right? I mean, both of them are, and Nick's is clearly ahead of, of Penix in the Heisman discussion right now, right? That's, that's, that's deserved, that's earned and all that. But if Michael Penix goes out and throws for 450 yards and four touchdowns and the Ducks and the Huskies win by a couple scores, like that's the lasting image. And then he'll have beaten, you know, Nick's head to head twice and, and Washington will have the two wins and be undefeated. Like maybe that's enough to flip the, flip the Heisman script. But, you know, I, I think the way Oregon's playing, that's, that's, you know that's unlikely right and um yeah i think it's it, it for me it feels like a game that comes down to turnovers whoever's uh you know whoever takes care of the ball is it, probably going to be in a in a good spot and that's kind of a cop-out answer but it's just that that's how that's how close i do think this game will be you know you we talked to a lot of people that cover one team specifically or they cover a state but you've had the opportunity to cover every team in this conference and um you have done a fantastic job of it. How does it feel to have the college football portion of the Pac-12 end with the first top five matchup since 1976 in conference play? I mean, it's kind of a it's a weird way that this is all going out where there's the the opportunity for two teams to go to the playoff. There's a a legitimate chance winner is in for the college football playoff in a conference that's been much maligned over its existence because it hasn't been top to bottom such a great conference, but here we are, the final season. It kind of seems like this is where the Pac-12 has been at its best. Yeah, it's like in lieu of a funeral, we're going to have one of the biggest games in conference history to yeah. send it off, right? It's, 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 <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a sad way to end it because college football is such a cyclical sport. I mean, I think everyone knew that. And the 14 playoff didn't do the Pac-12 any favors, right? Because it just didn't have that team at the top. I mean, it, it was a good conference the whole time. It was, you know, it was usually probably year to year the third best conference. It just didn't have a top four team. And so from a national narrative standpoint, the conference took a hit because when it didn't have teams that were in the, in, in the playoff mix deep in the year, like – it's just the way the college football conversation sets up is, is for the, the, the conference or the teams that aren't part of that conversation to get, to get left behind. And I think that there was a trickle down effect on interest in the conference, television ratings, those sort of things that had this like snowball effect on the direction of the conference had the 14 playoff come around in 2001, right? Right. As USC was, was getting rolling and the PAC 12 had a chance to, be nationally relevant for for a decade straight, kind of like how Clemson buoyed the the ACC for so long, despite the ACC being really bad for most of those years, other than the one team. Like it would have played out significantly different, uh, differently. Uh, and as much of the Pac-12 is a victim of like terrible leadership and poor foresight and arrogance and greed and all of those like obvious things, it's also you know a, a victim of timing in that regard too. And and so. It's really sad. You know, for me, like, I've, professionally, I've covered the conference for a long time now, but, like, even 
personally grew up, you know, college football or, you know, yeah. the Pac-10 shaped my college football experience. I went to, I went to Washington state, you know, like when I was deciding where to go to school, I only wanted to go to a Pac-10 school to study journalism. So like, there's a lot of, and I'm not unique like that, right? There's a lot of people on the West coast who have, have their whole experience with college football is, is centered on this conference. And um, it's, you know, it's a reliable part of everyone's lives for, for several years. So for it to go away in the fashion that it has, um, yeah, it's sad, right? And, you know, we'll all move on and everyone will watch. The, the teams aren't going anywhere. They're just, um, you know, playing playing against different opponents. So uh, excited for the game on Friday, but it's also, yeah, obviously bittersweet that it's um, – we knew this was always possible for a year like this and for it to happen in, in the last year is <laughs> – it's a little bit of a poetic justice there. Kyle Bonagura, ESPN. We always appreciate the time, man, and uh, we'll see you down in Vegas on Friday night. Sounds good. See you guys. There he is, Kyle Bonagura. Uh, not just ESPN writer, but uh, he played with and against the great Ryan Buckley in Little League Baseball. There you go. Down in uh, the greater Bay Area. Mm, yeah. A rivalry that no dies. Yeah, that's right. That's also, right. Also a Coug. A Coug. Mm. Yeah. And we know Cougs never die. There you go. You know, they're legends. Mm. They're legends, those Washington they State do Cougars. Drink, oh, hell yeah, they do. <laughs> All right, uh, you know, we kind of got into it there. The college football playoff rankings, they did come out. Mm-hmm. This game has got a whole heck of a lot that is riding on it. It's, I'd say it's the most important game. Of of the conference championship yes, I games. I think this is the, the one yeah. that can snowball and domino the most. It's got some big weight behind it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it next. Danny and Dusty on the fan. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Pac-12 Championship Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Mod CDX. The future of building is here. On 1080 The Fan. Penultimate rankings for the college football playoff. Uh, minimal change I mean, in kind of what we expected. Georgia holds at the top spot despite a narrow win over Georgia Tech. 
Michigan moves up one spot to second. Washington up to third. Florida State up to fourth. Oregon holding steady, leading the one-loss teams with their number five overall ranking. Ohio State is right behind them at six, though. And and this is something that the committee has always told us, is that they do value conference championships and winning your conference. It, it does matter. And I think where there's a lot of buzz because there's a lot of best and worst case scenarios that you can go over. But conference championships, they do matter and they have mattered to the play- playoff committee if all things are are equal, right? We've mm-hmm. had years where, I mean, we've, we just saw just last year two teams get in from one conference, right? Mm-hmm. And that happens quite often. But at the same time, I think what we're looking at here is we have got multi, we have six conferences or at least the Power Five uh, conferences all have got a very realistic discussion and argument, their champion deserves to be there. A pathway to, to being in the final. The game. SEC, obviously, and the SEC champion, no matter who it is, will get one in, yeah. right? We know that. The Big Ten, well, Michigan will absolutely dismantle Iowa, and they're going to get in. Let's let's go insane for a split second. Yeah. Let's say Iowa beats Michigan. <laughs> what happens? If Iowa beats Michigan, then you can have that. I mean, Iowa's not getting in. No, no, no. They're not, I mean, they're Iowa's not getting not. in. Is but, Michigan or Ohio State getting in? It depends on how everything else breaks, but no, I don't think so. I I mean, I I honestly, I don't, because if if Iowa beats Michigan, Mm -hmm. okay, and then you had Georgia win, Washington win, and Florida State win, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've got three of those three teams are all in because Mm -hmm. they're undefeated and they're, they're in. I don't think Michigan gets in because of the fact that like you lost, it, your, you lost your conference title game. If Texas wins, then they're in. I mean, because they they'd have earned that right, right? They because they would have beat Alabama by double digits on the road. Their resume would say it, and you would have a you would you would have a Ohio State team not playing and an Oregon team that isn't in it, and they're on the outside looking in, right? But, I mean, they have that double-digit win on the road against Alabama. and Who, who? I, I, yeah, I could see it. It's not. It's very unlikely. But I'm just thinking, of, of all the things that could throw a wrench in. I mean, Georgia would be in, Washington in, Florida State in. I mean, Texas would be a conference champion and Michigan wouldn't be. If you're rooting for chaos, Oklahoma State, Iowa. Alabama. I don't know if Oregon, Louisville. Louisville. No, no. Mo, the most chaos would be Florida State does win, and yes. you have to put that team in. With I think the most chaotic scenario isn't that far out of the realm of possibility. No, I, I think you, you there's there's Alabama beating Georgia is not. Like I think something insane at all. The worst for the playoff committee and what they've told us and how they've jockeyed all these teams around. Oregon winning. Mm-hmm. Georgia losing to Alabama, mm-hmm. Michigan winning, mm-hmm. Florida State winning, mm-hmm. Texas winning, and just absolutely blowing out uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah. Coach that, of the year, Mike Gundy's Oklahoma State. That would just be, like, you're sitting there like, all right. Now what? Who's in now? Uh-huh. Who's in now? And now you gotta, now they got to show their bias. <laughs> yep. Yep. Are they going to keep two SEC teams out? In that scenario, they're going to keep Georgia. Are they going to keep Alabama out if they just won 
their conference title game? No. But are they going to keep Georgia out? No. Like, here's the thing. Georgia losing to Alabama brings the most chaotic situation mm-hmm. because if you put Alabama in because just because they're the SEC champion, and mm-hmm. by the way, they would have gone unbeaten in SEC play, mm-hmm. won the conference title, mm-hmm. ended Georgia's streak, then you also have to put Texas in because Texas beat, beat Alabama. They beat them. Okay? <laughs> and then you go, hey, Georgia, you guys, we've been touting how good you are for two years. You guys haven't lost since the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're out now? Now you're out. Yeah, and you're the two-time defending national champion. <laughs> you're out. And But uh, there it is. If you don't win your conference, mm-hmm. you leave it up to the, the football gods, right? Mm-hmm. But if you add a Michigan loss in there, then is Ohio State in play uh-huh. to jump up? Uh-huh. Like, that is... It could get super weird super quick, man. And this is why if you are, if you are an Oregon fan... Hell, if you're a Pac-12 fan, like Washington, you win, you're in. You win, you're in. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Easy. But if you are a Pac-12 fan, you want chalk. You, yeah. you want you want that chalk. You want Georgia to beat Alabama. You want Michigan to route Iowa. Iowa. You want Florida State to win mm-hmm. because then it, it eliminates all the other one-loss teams, and you are the the committee's been telling us all along. The best one-loss Oregon, team is Oregon, blah, blah, blah. and they have had yes. that. That has been consistent mm-hmm. throughout the rankings. Is that the best one-loss team in the country has been Oregon, despite what their resume says, despite what their top twenty-five wins will tell you. But make no mistake about it, the committee and I have said this. I said this bo- the week before the rankings came out. The top will sort itself out, but you'll figure out how the top will sort itself out by what the bottom of the rankings say. Mm-hmm. And you look at the bottom of the rankings, Clemson being ranked 23rd at 8-4. and four. They're propping somebody up. Tennessee being ranked 21st. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just scratching your head. You're like, what are we doing here? Because they're using them to prop other teams up. Exactly. And I know I heard uh, Joel Clad on with Colin earlier today, and he's like, Pretty suspicious. Utah's not on there. And look, Utah doesn't deserve to be in there. No. But but they deserve it just as much as Clemson or Tennessee do. You know? Like, they've been really damn good. Tennessee lose to Florida? Tennessee, um, they did not. I think they beat Florida for the first time in a long time. Nope, they lost 29-16. Remy again. In who, the swamp. Who did Utah beat? Uh, Florida. Okay. And that's the whole tra- the transitive <laughs> properties things. With- it's brutal, and though. That, like yeah. Tennessee's losses, uh, I don't know who they beat. That is good. Nobody. Their wins are against Georgia, Austin P, South Carolina, not Georgia, or uh, what is it? Virginia. Sorry, yeah, Virginia, Austin P. That's a big difference. There is a big difference. With Texas, Virginia. San Antonio, South Carolina, Texas A and M, Kentucky, UConn, and Vanderbilt. Their best win is Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. They lost uh, double digits to Florida. They lost by double digits to Alabama. They lost by double digits to Missouri. And they almost lost by triple digits to Georgia. (laughs) That's by 28 to Georgia. They lost by 28, 28, uh, (laughs) excuse me, 29, 14, and 15 in their losses. Their losses haven't been close. No. That... And so this is what the committee does. 
we use them because at the end of the day, when they compare the resumes, they'll be able to float out there on Sunday. Well, as a one-loss team, you know, they had wins over four top 25 teams in our eyes. And right now, that back end of the poll, it's set because none of those teams are playing. Nope. So why would they drop out? No. There's no reason for them to drop out. So they've set what they're using as their footing already. All of these teams are going to be ranked. It's just the reshuffling yep. of the chairs on the Titanic as this four-team playoff finally sinks to the bottom of the damn Atlantic. Thank God. we get 12 next year. Get out of that. Oh. I think best-case scenario, though, for Oregon, though, if you're looking at it, uh, your best-case scenario is Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Florida State wins, Oregon wins, Texas loses. Hmm. Okay, that's the best-case scenario. I still think that if it's chalk, Oregon wins, you're in. I don't think they're going to jump Texas. Well, because like Jeff Schwartz said, he says if you're ranked fifth and beat the third-ranked team and still finish fifth, what's yeah. the point of any of it? Yeah. And then your worst case is Georgia loses, Michigan wins, Florida State wins, Texas blows out Oklahoma State. Then you're in a world where is Ohio State in play? Uh, Texas is in play. If Bama's in, Texas is in play. And then all hell goes out the window. To use Jeff Schwartz's logic, if you're third and your only loss is to the fifth-best team in the country... What's the point of all of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. What? This is the world we live in. Me, best and, Je- case, best- Me and Jeff Schwartz on the same page right now. Best case scenario for UW, if Oregon beats them, mm-hmm. is... Chaos. Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Florida State loses, Texas loses, and it's a very close loss to Oregon. Yes. Like, if it's a field goal game to Oregon, mm-hmm. could that is like the only scenario where you have, hey, could the Pac-12 get two teams in? The Pac-12 get two one lost teams. Just two saying. one lost teams. But that's that would be the ultimate mm. chaos move. Because no. Louisville's not good. No, they're not. They're not. You know what my ultimate chaos move is? Huh? Sports documentaries. Ooh, ooh, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah, you know why? Let's go. Because somebody else always gets pissed off. We'll get yeah. to that in our worst day on the web coming up. But first, here's the big kahuna sports center update. I hear they got some tasty burgers. This is Pac-12 Championship Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Mods PDX. The future of building is here. On 1080 The Fan. It's time for today's worst day on the web. With Danny and Dusty on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan. Man, that sucks! It all seems to have started during COVID. The last dance comes out. Week by week, it rolls out. We all salute Michael Jordan's greatness. And Scottie Pippen gets a little bit more pissed off. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, because he was number two. Sure. But what's been interesting about and I, I would say poorly done. Uh, it was it was fun entertainment during COVID, certainly mm-hmm. because we had nothing. Um, but the uh, Tiger epic, King would be, beg to differ. Hells <laughs> yeah! The epic retelling of uh, reality in sports documentaries is very interesting. Where uh, the the subject is painted in the brightest and best possible lights, no matter what, and everything around him was secondary. And it's yeah. not just for Michael Jordan. It's been the case in every sports documentary that has come out since 2020. That's how these things work now. But an interesting one was last week, uh, Barry Sanders' documentary, Bye Bye Barry, came out on Amazon. Have you watched it yet? No. I have not either. Uh, I, I need to add this to the list uh, just because Barry Sanders is such a unique dude. Yeah. Nobody's ever done what he did, being like deuces and 
the, the peak of their powers. Walking away in your prime is a very tough thing, but uh, like there's a lot of that, a lot of things that have gone into it that Barry's talked about over the years, which is knowing that you'll never win a championship and kind of seeing that, mm-hmm. seeing you know two of your teammates have spinal injuries. Mm-hmm. He's talked about that at length. Yeah, that like that really resonated with him being like. I don't know if it's worth it for this. me. Yeah. He's got the money. He's got the legacy. He did things that nobody else could do. So instead mm-hmm. of hanging on too long and being the guy that is chasing rings, he said, I knew I only wanted to play in one place. So it was going to be Detroit. And that was it. Now I applaud the guy for that because how many guys do we see Carmelo ring chase mm-hmm. and stay in far longer than they should. And you're like, this is sad at this point because it doesn't always work out that way. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, it does, but he, he wasn't even, like, ring chase. He was on the Blazers. Like, yeah, the what Lakers, are you doing? The Lakers. Just... But it's, we see these guys go through this, and you're like, why? And for Barry Sanders to walk away when he did, it was always something that his legacy never took a hit. And I think a lot of other people's would have, because everybody because looked at it and said it was, was Detroit's fault. And it was also because he was so good. He was. We we just haven't even now. We've still not seen another player like him. Well, part of the reason that you you talked about him walking away and not winning was because his quarterback was Scott Mitchell. And while Scott Mitchell wasn't really thrown under the bus during the documentary, according to all reports, he took special exception to it. He said, "I just watched Bye Bye Barry on Amazon Prime." It was not a very pleasant experience. I was Barry Sanders' teammate for five years. I had a front row seat to some of the most amazing plays in NFL history. He will never have an equals appear running in the NFL. I could argue there were several running backs that were more complete, but I won't. Barry was great. However, I'm so tired of hearing how I was the reason that Barry Sanders never won a Super Bowl. I'm so tired of hearing how I was not a good good QB. My only response is... F you all. That includes Eminem and Jeff Daniels, who <laughs> made appearances in the documentary yeah. as famous people from Detroit. You should take this up with Wayne Fonts, who also said it in the documentary. Yes, like Wayne Fonts, he was like, well, yeah, if we would have had better quarterback play, we would have uh, won a Super Bowl. Well, I mean, in, he's not, they're not wrong. Right? Scott Mitchell was not a, he was a very average quarterback. Yeah, but they also had like Rodney Pete and Andre Ware. Mm. Like they, they had some quarterbacks you're just like, God, and so Scott Mitchell was like the better of the guys that mm-hmm. they brought in. But still, he was very average. He was. He was the Kirk Cousins of his time. But it's also, like, and I think one thing that Scott Mitchell... You're not even going to give me the... Nothing. Nothing, huh? What? Called him the Kirk Cousins of his time. You didn't even blink. No. I think that's insulting to Kirk Cousins. Wow. Well, what? I mean, you know, Kirk Cousins is better. Um... But Barry Sanders was not great in the playoffs either. Like everybody's like, oh, if we would have had better quarterback play, we would have we would have won more games. Well, I think you're just team. It's limited when you don't have a great quarterback. And I loved Herman Moore and Brett Perriman. Uh, they were they were great. I loved watching Herman Moore play, and that dude could hoop. If you never saw Herman Moore hoop, like Herman Moore was a baller. I miss I miss Jock Jams with Barry Sanders dunking. Um, but. Barry only averaged 64 yards a game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, he only averaged uh, per carry four. I mean, 4.2, which is really good. But for Barry Sanders, those numbers aren't nearly as as eye popping as what his career was because mm-hmm. every run was electric with Barry Sanders. 
Here's the problem is that your quarterback wasn't great, but also your offensive line wasn't great either no. because Barry's greatest runs or because are his offensive line him was horrendous. Absolutely just breaking ankles left and right and then getting past the line of scrimmage and everybody's all out of position. Like Barry was in, incredible. And when you add those two things together, mm-hmm. then you go, all right, that's why the Lions and they're the Lions. They're the Lions. They have they're, they're, they're the Lions for a reason. But Barry Sanders was so good. He was in an, and it was in an era where your running back could carry you yeah. further um, than you can now. And I think one thing that we do get skewed is like people bring up Scott Mitchell's numbers now and they're like, yeah, it was not good at all. I mean, quarterback play wasn't at the highest of levels back then across the board. Like we had, are had, very spoiled. He had one good year. We I, are very spoiled though with the completion percentage and yardage that these mm-hmm. quarterbacks have now because you know like oh is it dave craig was his backup too yeah. i mean look i know you tried in i think in the documentary wayne font said that they went out and they tried to get several other quarterbacks which also got scott mitchell all hot and bothered about it it's like well, every team tries to upgrade every position, Scott. You yeah. know this. You played in the NFL for 12 seasons or whatever it was. And the thing is, so he had one year where he, he threw for 4,300 yards, 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Great, very good year. The year before that, though, 10 tutties, 11 interceptions. year after that, 17 tutties, 17 interceptions. year after that, 19 tutties, 14 interceptions. So he had one year in there where he was good, where the rest he was not even replacement level. So, yeah, Scott, but our kind of to blame but what we're like in in this is the thing is you got to go back and you've got to look at the different years in so like what year was his best year i mean for for that uh touchdown to interception ratio like what what year did you say that was the the good one yeah his his good one uh Two point one percent interception percentage. No, 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 no. What year was? Oh, that? what year? Uh, yeah. ninety-five. Ninety-five. Went ten six. Nineteen ninety-five. I'll just pop that up right now. We'll go to nineteen ninety-five, and it's weird. Like we get just blown away by some of the numbers here, where he was. What'd you say? He was. He had thirty-two touchdowns in ninety-five. Yeah, 30, 32 and twelve. Okay, he ranked eighth in the NFL in mm-hmm. touchdown passes, like. That the so guys he had one he had one good year. The guys, but that's but that that's where it gets a little skewed because guys weren't thrown for forty touchdowns and fifty touchdowns on the regular like we are. Like no, we no, see no. With I'm saying that was Dan like legitimately Marino. a good year. The other years oh, though, really he good. no. The other years though, he was bad. He was he was a one to one touchdown interception ratio. That's never good. No, that's never good. No, guys threw a lot more picks back then. Defense is, could get away with a whole heck of a lot yeah, more yeah, contact true. downfield. But also, he was throwing for fifteen hundred yards, not. 4,300. He had that one year where he threw for 4,300. The year before, it was 1,500. 14 games the next year, he threw for 2,900. So it's like... Oh, Scott Mitchell. I love that he's just sitting at home and like every old person does, they just just take to Facebook and are like, you know what? I'm going to get on Facebook and give people a piece of my mind. Well, he he completed his Facebook rant. And again, this is where it came from. It was a Facebook rant. Mm. I will believe until I die that we had... that. That had we been given more time and patience with the offense, we had the talent and we would have been made a deep run in the playoffs and competed to win a Super Bowl. See, how about that? Uh huh. How about <laughs> this? Is like high school quarterback tales, man. Come on, let it go, Scott. Uh, you think he's mad because he doesn't get to do stuff for the Lions anymore? I just love that he called out uh, 
Jeff Daniels and Eminem. <laughs> like, uh, that makes the whole rant worth it. I don't think that goes viral if Scott Mitchell doesn't call out Jeff Harry Dunn mm-hmm. and Eminem. Do you think he's mad because they're bigger Detroit icons than he is? I would almost certainly guarantee it. Really? Yeah, I'm sure it bothers him. He doesn't I have that awareness to know that he's not bigger than Jeff Daniels or Eminem. I mean, did you did you hear a word I said that came off that Facebook rant? Yeah. You think yeah. he could still throw that football over those mountains mm, over there? No, 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 no. He couldn't do it back then either. <laughs> I say it's like, oh well. Uh, what? I'll, I'll give you the dealer's choice here. You want something depressing or some interesting news? That's a silly question. I do not want the depressing Didn't news. we just do the depressing with Scott oh, Mitchell? Oh, no, no, okay. gracious. <laughs> okay. okay. Hey, let me bring you down. Mm. We'll save that for later then. <laughs> no. uh, all right. Well, coming up next, the uh, Dallas Mavericks are being sold out of nowhere. What the hell is going on? And what is Mark Cuban doing? Coming up next there in Danny Dusty, Tanny the Fan. <laughs> This is Pac-12 Championship Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Mods PDX. The future of building is here. On 1080 The Fan. Mark Cuban is selling a controlling stake in the Dallas Mavericks out of nowhere. It yeah, doesn't sound like weird. he's uh, running for president as much as everybody wants to say that he is. Um, it looks like he's just divesting. Well, it sounds like he's doing uh, I'm rich stuff and I'm rich and I don't want any of this hassle anymore because I have enough money. He's always been a grinder Mm -hmm. and he's selling his controlling interest in the Mavs to the Adelson family, which is Vegas money. Casinos. And they're like the power players in Las Vegas. Uh, Mavs moving to Vegas? What? No, that's a mean joke. But um he is selling that, but still going to be running the basketball operations for the Mavs. And he's also stepping away from Shark Tank. He's no longer going to be a shark on Shark Tank. So this just screams to me more of like, instead of he's going to run for president, more of, I just want to be cool, rich guy, because that's what Mark Cuban is, and not have as many of the stresses as he used to have. You know, he still gets to be his NBA governor, because remember, they're not owners no. anymore. No, 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 no. He's not actually going to be the governor. He's not. So that is actually something that has, that has come uh-huh. forth through this, is that the Adelson family member, uh, what is her name, what is her name, for the love of God, uh, because there's, it's two families, it's the Adelson family and the DeMont families, they own the uh, Las Vegas Sands Casino. They just sound rich. Yeah, yes. I mean, the Adelson's, obviously the, the Sheldon Adelson. Jumont. That's the dumb money Adelson. in Vegas. Um, but part of it is that Cuban will stay on and have final say in basketball operations, but the families are targeting a closing of the transaction by the end of this year, 2023, subject to satisfactory uh, customary closing conditions and approval by NBA Board of Governors. With that, the family and the uh, named member is Miriam Adelson, a medical doctor and and widow of former casino magnet. Sheldon Adelson uh, will be the named governor. Look at that. So it's interesting. So there's a lot to take from this, particularly as you think about um, the Trailblazers and, and their process and unwinding of trusts and valuations. The Dallas Mavericks are being sold at a valuation of $3.5 billion, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean the team is being bought for $3.5 because the group that is coming in is buying a majority stake. 
they are not buying the entire, it's not 100% of yeah. the team. So the reporting thought out there right now is that they have sold $2 billion of their stock in the uh, casino world, but beyond that, how much more are they putting into it? Or are they just buying $2 billion worth of a $3.5 billion valuation? Which would give them, on a $3.5 billion valuation, 57%, which is a controlling stake. So Mark Cuban just got a couple billion dollars richer. So he bought the team in 2000 for $285 million and sold it. At least 57% of the team, because we don't know what his total ownership share of the team was. Because here's the thing. This is what makes this new and interesting, is that he's not leaving the team. He's still, again, going to have final say. He's going to share in the profits. So he's still, while not a majority stakeholder, this isn't a Justin Timberlake owning 1% of the Memphis Grizzlies situation. So he has real say in what's going on. But it's very interesting it. as far as what the NBA is allowing to take place here and what could it, it could mean potentially for sale of Portland Trailblazers in the future. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Do, do we... All right, so uh, Trent Bray is actually going to go live here uh, at his introductory press conference for the Oregon State Beavers. Uh, after this break, we'll come back and bring you live down to that press conference. Danny Dusty, Danny the Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.